or over to Psalm 69. Psalm 69. We don't have enough time to look at Psalm 69 as completely as I would like to look at it, but we have enough time to look at it for a few moments together today. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. (laughs) I'm sinking in water, but my throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Have you ever found yourself looking for God, looking for God, looking for God, and you just can't seem? You think, where is God? I'm a believer. I trust Him. I, 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 I accept Him, and, I'm, and, I, and I've prayed, and I'm, I'm trying to live and I know I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to live the right way, and things have fallen apart all around me, and God, help me! Psalmist goes on. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. Uh, you, you, you know that verse, don't you? He numbers the hairs of our head. That's a, that's a verse, a statement about the loving kindness of God. Here's the opposite. Those that hate me are more than the number of the hairs of my head. See, I got fewer enemies than the rest of you. Uh, they hate me without cause. They are mighty who would destroy me. Being my enemies wrongfully, Though I have stolen nothing, still I must destroy it. They're they're demanding reparations. And I haven't done anything. Now, whenever you say that thing, I haven't done anything. The thought that crosses my mind is, I haven't done anything to them. Because as soon as I say that, man, I'm innocent. I've never done anything wrong. <laughs> the moment I say that, I, something flashes in the back of my mind. Oh, well, well, yeah, I did do that. Oh, God, you know my foolishness. My sins are not hidden from you. I maybe didn't do anything to them. But I'm, I'm a mess. I have been a pastor 40 years, and because of that, I no longer ever struggle with sin until this last week. Now, let's just be honest. Last week, I I was telling Charlene, I said, man, today has been a hard day to keep my, my head in the right direction. She agreed with me. She was loving and supporting and helpful, but she agreed with me. Yeah, I know, you're a mess. 
Jeremy was threatening me with a shock collar while we were up in Alaska. The thing is, I, I found out he had funding from the other guys. But anyhow, we're not going to go there. Let not those who wait for you, O Lord, God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. Do you, you ever sit there and think to yourself, I just don't want to be an embarrassment to the people of God? I just, I just don't, want to, I don't want to harm the church, God's people. Let not those who seek you be confounded because of me. I don't want to be a distraction to those that are looking for God. Because for your sake I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children. Even family isn't helping too much right now. Psalmist goes on, Hear me, God, out of your loving kindness. Verse 16. Don't hide your face from your servant. I'm in trouble. You know, now would be a good time, God. Hear me speedily. (laughs) Draw near to my soul. Redeem it. Deliver me. You know my reproach. Uh, even if you're not acting, I know you know what you know you know. You know my reproach, verse 19. You know my shame, my dishonor, my adversaries. They're all before you. You know their names. You, you, you know who they are. Reproach has broken my heart. I'm full of heaviness. I look for someone to take pity. But there was none. And for comforters. But I found none. You ever feel like God leaves y'all alone? You're on an island? We're in the airport. (laughs) Suddenly the window cracks just a little bit and a glimmer of sunlight comes through. They gave me gall for my food and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. This wasn't written by Peter, James, or John, one of the disciples. This was written by a guy 800 years before the crucifixion. But on that rocky spot outside of Jerusalem, there's a man hanging on a cross, dying for the sins of the world, and they they offer him vinegar. And John, one of the 12 disciples, is there, sees it. And of all the passages in the Bible for John to think of, he thinks of this one.
and he realizes that that one dying on that cross is not only paying the debt of my sin, he's identifying with me in the lostness that I feel in life. The aloneness of the cross. Where, where Jesus identifies with you in all of your aloneness. Yes, in fact, if you look back to verse 9, you see the first glimmer was earlier, but I didn't want you to see it until now. It says, because of the zeal of your house has eaten me up, and the reproach of those who reproach you have fallen on me. They quoted that, the disciples did, when they saw Jesus cleansing the temple. This, this is my father's house, and you've made it a den of thieves. And he turned over the tables, and he shoved over the money changers. And, and the disciples realized this wasn't just a commercial problem that Jesus was rescuing them from. This was Jesus seeing that all the things that his father had put in place so that people would find God had been corrupted, shamed. And that soon it would be him because he would say, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Verse 24, pour out your indignation upon them and let your wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their dwelling places be desolate. Let no one live in their tents, for they persecute the ones you have struck and talk of grief of those who are wounded and add iniquity to their iniquity and let them not come into your righteousness. Let them be blotted out from the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. That's all future. When I'm going through these lonely things, I don't want someone to come up to me and say, come on, man, it's been a week. Get over it. You'll love that. You lose a loved one. Somebody writes you a dear letter a week after you lose your loved one. Well, now that they're gone, what are you talking about? God didn't do that. What God does is he comes down and he sets with you. And he holds your hand. And he says, I'm ready when you're ready. You ever, you ever sense that God there beside you saying, I'm ready when you're ready? Look in verse 35, uh, 33. For the Lord hears the poor, and he does not despise his prisoners, 
Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build the cities of Judah, that they may dwell there and possess it. And then he adds this little statement at the end. The descendants of his servant shall inherit it. Jesus on the cross sits down next to me and identifies with me in that aloneness. And by faith I trust him. And the psalm ends with, and those whose love his name shall dwell in it. The person that identifies with you in all of that stuff and sits there and hears and grieves with you, there, there, there becomes a bond of, of love between you and them that when it's time to stand up and move, it's as though they're with you. They're, they're, they're truly with you. And you know this. You are loved by them. Pain teaches us just how much God really loves us. He'll be there for you. Father, I come before you today and I just thank you for a psalmist that wrote down some things three millennia ago that still ring true today because two millennia ago, Jesus entered this world, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and sat down next to the lonely people and said, by my death, we can go when you're ready. And so though we are told over and over again to wait upon the Lord, he waits for us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us that much.